Blog Talk Radio.
And let me ask you this. Do you think Jimmy is roaming around the White House tonight trying to find a meatloaf to warm himself up on? <laughs> I don't think the card is eating meatloaf. <laughs> Who the hell are they? They're only from Georgia. <laughs> oh, let me tell you something. I am so sick of Washington and all its works and all them politicians down there and them congressmen. And the congressmen. I'll bet you won't find none of them congressmen turning down their electric blankets tonight. Which if they did, their secretaries would get up and go home. <laughs> oh, readers, the Democrats is doing a whole the Democrats. And you put them in there. What's <laughs> the face you had on you when you come back in the polls? Well, the Democrats' way of running this country is to go tell us all how we ought to make sacrifices. God, they're great on that stuff. <laughs> but they're all going to have us over the hill to the poorhouse. We ain't going to be able to drive over there because we ain't got no gas. So we're going to have to walk it. <laughs> oh, the reader's digest says walking is very good for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ain't that lovely? The reader's digest can always put a little joy into poverty. <laughs> This is my whole pain. My whole pain is this whole thing with the energy and everything. This is all a conspiracy. You know, you know that it's a conspiracy there. Listen, for years, all our lives, they've been telling us to go out and buy stuff that use energy. You know, all the electrical stuff. Like electric toasters, electric covers, electric stove, electric stereo, electric TV, electric race, electric hair blow, electric knives, electric every damn thing. Not to mention the cars. And now, after all the big corporations there make the billions and billions of dollars worth of profits, signals, wham, they're changed. And after telling us for years that we can't live without this junk, now they tell us that we gotta live without it. The country is going straight into the dumper. <laughs> So what's working fine for them wasn't working for ordinary Americans. And we've learned that clearly. It doesn't work out fine for the country. It's got to change. Now, what we're doing, I, I want to be clear. We're not, we're not trying to push financial reform uh, because we begrudge success that's fairly earned. I mean, I, I do think at a certain point you've made enough money. Senator Obama, you, you both have now just taken this pledge on people under $250,000 and 200 and, what, 250000 Well, it, it depends on how you calculate it, but it would be between two hundred and two hundred fifty thousand. right. You have, however, said you would favor an increase in the capital gains tax. As a matter of fact, you said on CNBC, and I quote, I certainly would not go above what existed under Bill Clinton, which was 28%. It's now 15%. That's almost a doubling if you went to 28%. But actually, Bill Clinton in 1997 signed legislation that dropped the capital gains tax to 20%. Right. And George Bush has taken it down to 15%. Right. And in each instance, when the rate dropped, revenues from the tax increased. The government took in more money. 
He doesn't in care if revenue increases. When the tax was increased to 28%, the revenue went down. That we need to redistribute. So why raise it at all? Especially well. given the fact that 100 million people in this country he doesn't own care stock whether we have revenue well, coming what in. What I've said is that I would look at raising the capital gains tax for purposes of fairness. We saw an article today which showed... That's enough. That's enough. And the American people are saying, that's enough. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Today's date is November 29th, 2011 A.D. Beautiful Old Town, Alexandria, Virginia. Looking out my picturesque window here. Across the Potomac, well, across a park, then to the Potomac, and looking out at the beautiful Watergate Hotel across the Potomac into Washington, D.C. It's a beautiful night here. Uh, I've got some good friends in the chat room. Binary Prince is in the house. Karen Hunter, haven't seen her in a while. Tesla's here, and a whole host of other really great people. You see, our current president doesn't care whether or not we bring in revenues. He doesn't care whether or not raising the capital gains tax or any other tax will bring in revenue. It's all about fairness to him. You see, people like me, I make too much money. And, I, and it's not fair that I make money, too much of it, according to our president, and I, that, some, that it needs to be given away. That money needs to – some of that money – the cream needs to be taken from the top of my income and redistributed because it's just not fair. The president says it's not fair that I make a certain amount of money and other people don't. Let's finish up this clown's stupidity here. That the top uh, 50 hedge fund managers made $29 billion dollars last year 29 billion dollars for 50 individuals uh and it's their money you idiot wait 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 they they made that money 50 individuals it's their money they made the money as long as they made the money legally it's theirs why does he care but that's too much money for 50 people to make and it's not fair Uh, is that those who are able to work the stock market and amass huge fortunes on capital gains are paying a lower tax rate than their secretaries. That's not fair. Uh, and That's not fair. What I want is... First of all, that whole secretary thing is a lie. He knows it. Which is one reason why I really despise this guy. It's one reason why I despise him... Almost to the point where, no, I won't say it. I won't say it. I'm starting to get, I'm starting to, you know, I'm going to get myself in trouble here, but I'm going to say that. I'm starting to feel, I'm starting to understand how, no, I can't do it. But here, here's the thing. It's just not fair 
when people make too much money and there are those who don't have any money, what's not fair about that? What's not fair about the fact that I mentioned my high school buddy, John, in this chat room and how John in high school, well, we thought he was going to be alderman, mayor, congressman, senator, just a bright guy, remembered everybody's name, glad-handling, shaking hands, gregarious, affable, all of that. I mean, he was voted most likely to succeed, class president of the student body, all of that. Me, on the other hand, quiet, shy. During our 30th year reunion last year, I was told that by some students, more than one, that they could not actually ever recall hearing me utter more than two words at a time. Some could not recall me ever speaking, if you can believe that. Some thought I was mute, quiet, shy. John Anderson had it all. Now, John couldn't couldn't afford to get to the high school reunion last year. I had to subsidize it, and I, I and I was great to do so. And I don't say this to belittle John and boost myself up. I say this because John was supposed to be me. But now that John has been living pretty much on borrowed time, most of his adult life, been in and out of jail, drug rehab, halfway houses, all of that, and now is pretty much shot physically. Both me and my my other classmate, a member of the threesome, Richard, wonder what happened. What happened to John? What happened to John? He was supposed to be mayor. He was supposed to be congressman, senator. What happened? So it, have we gotten to the point, Mr. President, where all the success that I have had through hard work and effort should be turned over to the likes of the Johns everywhere? The Joe the Plumbers everywhere, the Johns everywhere, because it's just not fair that I met with a certain level of success and John somehow squandered his chances over and over and over again and burned every single bridge, including bridges with me. Let's finish up this clown's remarks. It is not oppressive taxation. I want businesses to thrive and I want uh, people to be rewarded for their success, but what I also want to make sure is that our tax system is fair uh, and that we are able to finance health care for Americans who currently don't have it and that we're able to invest in our infrastructure and invest in our schools. Uh, and you can't do that for free and you can't take out a credit card from the Bank of China in the name of our children and our grandchildren and then say that you're cutting taxes, which is essentially what John McCain has been talking about. And that is irresponsible. Uh, you know, I believe in the principle that you pay as you go. And 
All right, at what point does this guy just burst into flames? He believes that you should pay as you go while simultaneously running up debt greater in the three years he's been president than all other presidents combined. Pay as you go. On the backs of our children and our grandchildren, running up massive debt. So, some might be saying, well, what's your point? Well, here it is right here and now. Obama's job approval rating drops below Jimmy Carter's. Below Jimmy Carter. I'm not going to talk about Herman Cain and this assorted uh, women coming out of the woodwork because we've been there and done that with a candidate by the name of Bill Clinton. There's no need to go through that all over again. But President Obama's slow ride down Gallup's daily presidential poll approval index has finally passed below Jimmy Carter's, earning Obama the worst job approval rating of any president at this stage of his term in modern political history. Because Americans have finally said, enough. Enough. Since March, uh, Obama's job approval rating has hovered above Carter's, considered among the 20th century's worst presidents. But today, Obama's, Obama's punctured Carter's dismal job approval line. On their comparison chart, Gallup puts Obama's approval rating at 43% compared to Carter's 51%. The tie has turned. Bob Beckel earlier today said that President Obama would win re-election hands down, that it was guaranteed his approval rating is in the toilet, in the dumper, in the crapper. Why? Why? And does it help that my main man, Chris Christie, got in that ass? Let's listen and enjoy. I believe that the Occupy movement and the Tea Party movement come, their genesis is from the same feeling, which is an anger that government can't get things done. And so now that is the last similarity between the Tea Party movement and the Occupy movement. But I believe that their, the cause for their anger comes from the same place. They look at Washington, D.C., and they look at a president who's a bystander in the Oval Office. And, you know, I was angry this weekend listening to the spin coming out of the administration about the failure of the Super Committee and that the president knew it was due for failure, so he didn't get involved. Well, then what the hell are we paying you for? It's doomed for failure, so I'm not getting involved? Well, what, what have you been doing exactly? I mean, I, I will tell you that I think that both parties deserve blame for what's going on in Washington, D.C. Both parties do. They're spending more time talking at each other than talking with each other. We all know what the solutions to these problems are. We've done them in New Jersey in many areas, but we don't have the political will to get them done. And in New Jersey, the reason why they got done is because I called people into the room and said, we're going to solve this problem. And I had people of goodwill on the other side 
who said they believed it was their obligation, regardless of party, to get done things like pension and benefit reform. That Mayor Red can tell you personally how much that's helping her and her budget situation in Camden. Why the President of the United States refuses to do this is, is astonishing to me. I mean, you know, if he wanted to run for Senate again and just be one of 100, I'm sure he could have gotten reelected over and over again in Illinois. When you're president, it's kind of what I was talking about before, you know, 41-21 and one. Well, he's the one in Washington, and he's got to get something done here. And it's not good enough just to say, well, I'll get it done after the election. We can always count on Chris Christie for some straight talk, can't we? It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. <laughs> hey, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. We'll be right back. Yeah. 
dream of sending your kids to Yale, Harvard, Princeton. Forget it. Those are the universities of yesteryear. The school of the future is COC. Community Organizer College. I'm a graduate, and I just took control of General Motors. And now I'm thinking of taking over Chrysler, too. Maybe. Or selling it to an Italian bicycle company, uh, I think. Want your kids to run a giant company or even an entire industry like healthcare, banking, or insurance? Enroll him or her at COC Community Organizer College. Do you want your darlings to have trillions of, of dollars of, of money to spread around? Apply to Community Organizer College. Our teachings are based on a major breakthrough in education. It's not what you know. It's what people think you know. At COC, Community Organizer College, we don't waste time teaching English, history, math, science, or business management. We teach cool. We teach pompous. We teach teleprompter. Doublespeak. Seducing the media. Community Organizer College. Where your kids can learn to run a company or a country. Who knows? Uh, maybe the entire planet. Community Organizer College. <laughs> Capacity is limited. Better act now. For an application, dial 1-800-ACORN-COC. It's not what you know. It's what people think you know. Excellence in Broadcasting presents Liberals of Genius. Liberals of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. President of the United States. You single-handedly managed to choke all the life out of the world's greatest economy in record time. 10% unemployment. No one else could have apologized more, spent more, or built a rat maze healthcare system from hell that only the IRS could love. What were you thinking? Thanks to you, FDR will be known as a conservative, Carter will look presidential, and Joseph Stalin won't seem like such a bad guy. Joe was misunderstood. So crack open a good book, sit on your butt, and help your buddies with a snowball's chance in November. Mr. President, the one we weren't waiting for. If you haven't been listening to Socialism is Not an Option, then you're just another lapdog. And here's why. Let's get together this weekend. Hello, I'm Tesla. Anyway, your call in number is 917-388-497. And we have been listening to Annie from uh, Southern Sense, who's um, who's uh, given us some of the benefit of her wit and wisdom. Socialism is not an option in the Roundtable Roundup Edition, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we'll be back right after this. Spend your weekends with socialism is not an option. David from Stay Mad Radio. Um, I call in and I wanted to uh, to weigh in on on the the uh, the title of Bag. Man, your your show is right on point, and I, you know it's something I wanted to talk about for a little bit, of, you know, for a while now. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Socialism is not an option. I'm your host, Hessler. You're listening to the American Exceptionalism Edition. And we do have a fantastic show for you today. It's really a good one. It's part two. It's not your daddy's war. Welcome to Socialism is Not an Option, the Hot Topic Edition. I'm your host, 
Tesla. The entire political process offends me. So Very, very interesting, folks. Uh, another call on the ra- line, and it looks like we've got Tony. Tony, is that you? That's me, baby. I'm just looking at your showroom in absolute amazement. All we right, we and there. we're we back with the, the C. Robert Jones situation report. Okay. We've established that uh, Americans are speaking right now and telling the president that uh, we're not feeling the love anymore. That this whole idea of redistribution of wealth, this idea that America uh, is somehow we need to we need to live in a world of shared sacrifice instead of what most presidents would suggest would be shared prosperity. We've established that the president of the United States is pretty much a moron. He doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground. We've established that. We've established that he's pretty much lazy. He's not a leader. Now, understand this. There are those who are thrust into the role of leader. But that doesn't mean that they have the bona fides necessary to lead, that they have the tools necessary to lead. Obama is the, like it or not, the leader of the free world, the leader of the United States of America. But he is no leader. He was elected to be the leader of this great country. In the infinite wisdom of the citizens of the United States, the majority elected President Obama to lead us. But he is no leader, and he has failed to lead. So, let's switch topics here. Last night, last night we had a pretty good show. Jenny. Genealogy. She was on... She she came into the chat room last night because I had uh, I'd uh, spoke uh, in the in the room and uh, about one of her um, articles in the American Thinker, and uh, she thought it was really good a good a good deal, and the title of the article. Last night was uh, Obama's Influence Fades. You can find that article in the American Thinker. And I spoke to it. And her name is Jenny DeAngelis. I'm going to go ahead and put the link up uh, to this particular article so you can check it out. Because, you know, I, I read the article and I thought... It's so true. Uh, Tebow. Tim Tebow. Christian. Wears his Christian heart on his sleeve. Tebow, Palin, and the pain of remorse. That's the name of the article written Sunday, November 27, 2011. Originally posted in the American Thinker. It goes on to read, Tim Tebow, 
is really annoying to certain people in the Sarah Palin in a Sarah Palin sort of way. Whenever Tim or Sarah show up, an uncomfortable feeling accompanies him or her, and it's called conviction. One definition for convict is to impress with a sense of guilt. That's precisely what Tim Tebow and Sarah Palin are guilty of, impressing shame and remorse upon America that it would prefer to avoid. The Palin family has been mocked and derided for many reasons, including baby boy Trigg, born with Down syndrome. This past spring, after former Governor Palin posted a birthday tribute to her son, former Wonkite writer uh, Jack Sheft called Trigg's Trig a magic, intellectually disabled baby prop. Trigg, uh, a surf, questioned Trigg's parentage, implying he was conceived in incest and used the R word. Surf has since apologized and said he regretted using the word retarded, but he stands by his criticism of Palin. By approving of and promoting policies that destroy innocent human life, the left is a is hateful enough. However, when a conservative public figure chooses life, what emanates from hate-spewed or hate-spewing liberals amounts to a new level of vitriol. And this brings us to Tim Tebow. In 1987, Tim's mother, Pam, chose to grant her son the gift of life. Pregnant and suffering from a life-threatening infection, Pam Tebow, a missionary with her husband, Robert, to the Philippines, was told that her and Robert's child would be stillborn. Rather than take the advice of her doctor and abort, Pam Tebow chose to trust in God. Both mother and baby survived. And today, much like Sarah and Trig Palin, Pam and Tim Tebow both pose a problematic contradiction to one of the left's strongest arguments abortion advocates use when arguing to justify disposing of the unborn. To this day, 24 years after proving the doctors wrong, starting quarterback from the Denver Broncos, Tim Tebow, remains downright annoying. Every time he makes an appearance on the football field without opening his mouth, the, abort the abortion survivor takes all the fun out of the sport. Why? Because pro-choice America is forced to look into the face of a strapping miracle child whose mother put his life ahead of her own. And to make matters worse, not only did the Tebow family allow the child to be born, but they then did the unthinkable and raised him to be a devout Christian. Now, as a football star, Tebow is open about his faith and his relationship to Christ. And that bodes testimony to who he is. He's become the center of controversy now. 
USA Today says that when he tunes in to watch sports, when they, uh, Mike McCarthy tunes in to watch sports, he deserves to just get sports and sort of resents Tim thanking and praising God. Former Denver quarterback Jake Plummer agrees. Plummer extended kudos to Tebow's accomplishments on the football field as a football player, but tempered his enthusiasm by saying, craziness like this. Quote, uh, Tebow, regardless of whether I wish he, uh, regardless of whether I wish he'd just shut up after a game and go hug his teammates, I think he's a winner, and I respect that about him. I think that when he accepts the fact that we know he loves Jesus Christ, then I think I'll like him a little better. I don't hate him because of that. I just would rather not have to hear that every single time he takes a good snap or makes a good handoff. Tesla's right. The libs hate Tim Tebow. Not only is he a miracle child, but he talks about God. He talks about his love for God. He talks about the almighty Savior, God, Christian Christianity. Unbowed, Tim Tebow graciously responded to the criticism by attesting that his relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important thing in his life. Tebow said, and I quote, So anytime I get an opportunity to tell him that I love him, or give or or given an opportunity to shout him out on national TV, I'm going to take that opportunity. What Jake Plummer doesn't realize, and I'm still reading from the article, what Jake Plummer doesn't realize is that even if Tim Tebow never says another word about Jesus, foregoes writing John 3.16 in his eye black, decides to relinquish his virginity, before marriage, and never again teams up with focus on the family. During the Super Bowl or anywhere else, his mere presence on the planet speaks volumes to a secular society driven by heartless liberal policies. Such as, and I'm going away from the article now, such as the policy of our our great president. You know, the darling of America, the, well, he was supposed to be like Christ. He was supposed to be a combination of Lincoln, Christ, and Franklin Delano Roosevelt. We're talking about Barack Hussein Obama, who, in his term as a senator, openly advocated and voted for one of the few times he ever voted for anything, late-term abortion, meaning that if a baby is born in the state of Illinois and if a woman wants to abort her baby in the eight and a half months, at eight and a half months to nine months, if she wants to abort that child, she should have the right, according to Barack Hussein Obama, that she shouldn't be punished with a baby. Even at that late stage, and if an abortion is performed at that late stage, if a doctor decides he's going to do that, and that baby is still alive, 
then the baby is put into a holding area and left to die. Don't take my word for it. Look it up yourselves. This is one of the few times, this act, this law, is one of the few times that Barack Hussein Obama actually voted something other than present. Because he doesn't believe that a woman should be punished with a baby. He said that very same thing about his own daughter. He said if Sasha and Malia go out and make a mistake, that they shouldn't be punished with a baby. Those were his exact words. So apparently our great, wise, and wonderful president believes that abortion at eight and a half to nine months should be illegal to any woman, should be legal. And the baby is left to suffer in a holding room until it dies, starved to death, and dies. This is an actual vote by our deity-in-chief, Barack Hussein Obama. So imagine, if you will, Tim Tebow, big, strong, super stud football player for the Denver Broncos. Doesn't matter that my dog throws a prettier pass than Tim Tebow and is more accurate. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that Tim Tebow's a horrible quarterback when it comes to throwing the football. How he even was drafted makes no sense to me. That's really neither here nor there. I'm joking about all those things, even though they're true. My dog can throw a better spiral than Tim Tebow and is probably more accurate. But Tim Tebow is a testament. A testament. He's a living, breathing testament to why abortion is wrong. It's wrong. But we have a president who believes that a woman's choice to abort a child in the eighth or ninth month period should be sacrosanct, legal, totally viable. Now, let's keep in mind that I believe even as a even as a conservative, I believe in a woman's right to choose. I do. I do. Because in my mind I can't have it both ways. I don't want the state telling me what to do with my body. And I don't believe that the state should tell a woman what to do with hers. I believe that these decisions are individual decisions that need to be made. And the woman or the man or whoever decides these things, if they decide together, that's left to their conscience. That's left to – they need to deal with those things. Let me give you an example. I have a good friend. We'll call her Mamie. Years ago, back in 1992, 1993, Mamie was found to be with child. Not once, but twice. 
Well, Mamie and I were good friends. Mamie came to me and said, hey, you know, this is my situation. This guy won't go with me to the place. Could you go with me? Could you drive me and then drive me back? Somebody has to drive me back. So I said, okay, Mamie, I'll go with you. Took Mamie to the place. She had the the procedure. Took her home. Stayed with her for a while. Went home. A year later, happened again. Once again, I drove Mamie to the clinic. Had the procedure done. A couple of years ago, I talked to Mamie on the phone. I said, Mamie, and this was a mistake, by the way. I said, Mamie, do you ever wonder? Do you ever wonder what could have been? You know, your 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 son or your daughter would have would have been an adult by now. You know, they would have been in college, or you know, what what? Do you ever wonder about those things? I asked her. She became, she became upset. I couldn't. I could. You know, I was speaking with her telephonically, so I couldn't see her face, but she was upset. She asked me why I brought. Why did I? Why did you bring that up? Why do we have to talk about this? She was upset, and I could. I knew why she was upset because she knew that I was right. You see, Mamie was single at the time, and she didn't want to be. She didn't want to be burdened with a child. She had things she wanted to do. She had a life she wanted to lead. She's a single woman, working for the Miami Herald. She didn't want to have a child, and so she didn't. But I know now, after having that conversation with Mamie and bringing up the procedures and the what-ifs, that she felt some sorrow and some remorse. And I believe that there are a lot of women out there who feel the same way. I don't believe that there are very many women out there who say, I'm glad I did it. And I don't look back at what could have been, what my daughter or my son could have been if I hadn't chosen to end their lives before they even got started. But Mamie knows. I heard it in her voice. So now I wonder, when women who are right around my age, who have had these procedures right around the time of Tim Tebow's birth, wonder, when they look at Tim Tebow and say, it could have been my son. It could have been my boy. But I chose not to have a child for my own selfish reasons. Is this why Tim Tebow makes so many people uncomfortable, along with the fact that he's a devout Christian and, damn it, a virgin still? 
refuses to engage with a woman until marriage. A throwback, if you will. Probably one of the few men left on this planet like that. Is this what makes so many people uncomfortable? Tim Tebow is not only an abortion survivor, but he is a staunch follower of Jesus Christ. He is a source of double conviction in a godless world where devotion to sports often supersedes commitment to God. In fact, a few of play a few players on opposing teams have made fun of Tim Tebow and his faith. I find this ironic because the players who have come right out and made fun of Tim Tebow are black players. No doubt coming from mothers who attend services regularly. Most black folks are God-fearing people. Most. Most all of I, I've known. I wonder how their mothers took that behavior. Yeah. The article speaks right. And Ginny of genealogy has it has it nailed down. Based on the left's reaction to Trig Palin and Tim Tebow, well, there seem to be huge thorns in the side of pro-choice America. So are their mothers who, if they'd only exercise the right to choose would have made life a lot more comfortable for those who would rather avoid dredging up past mistakes like my friend Mamie. Instead, every time Trig or Tim show up, those who would rather look away are forced to stare into a looking glass that reflects dedication to heroes who are no heroes. No heroes at all. Images associated with the sorrow of abortion and the senseless self-interest of a nation's ungodly attachment to a level of futility that in the end delivers nothing but a lifetime of regret. Like my friend, Mamie. So when I read Jenny's column... It reminded me of Mamie. It reminded me of my question to her. Because at the time, I felt embarrassed by it. I felt embarrassed to have asked. I felt as though I was being insensitive. Never mind that I was there with Mamie both times she aborted her daughter or her son. I felt that perhaps I'd crossed the line. 
and even since, uh, Mamie and I have scarcely spoken. She was on my Facebook page for a while, and then she dropped off. Do you think that Mamie regrets her decision? After all, she could have had a young adult. Mamie is childless. Mamie is not married. She has no children. She is 49 years old, the same age as me. She has no one to look after her as she grows older. She has no one to call and say, Mom, I miss you. Mom, I love you. She's alone. Her parents are gone. She's an only child. Had she decided, and yes, in case you're wondering, I did attempt to talk her out of it both times. But I didn't try very hard because I didn't believe it was my place. It was her decision to make. But I did make an effort to talk her out of it both times. But as I said, one wonders what Mamie thinks or has thought when she's heard the story of Tim Tebow. One wonders if there are millions of other women out there who feel uncomfortable at the sight of Tim Tebow or the mention of his name. He is a really sorry-ass quarterback in terms of actually throwing the football. Of that, there is no doubt. But he's a he's an intelligent, compassionate, thoughtful, decent human being. He is a jewel in terms of humanity, at least at this point. Imagine what a waste it would have been if his mother had decided to have a simple abortion, a simple procedure that would have snuffed out a life before it began and we never would have had this miracle named Tim Tebow. How embarrassing. How embarrassing it is it must be for so many women who decided that they just didn't have the time. That they just didn't want to take the time to raise a child. I'm busy. I got so many things going on. And like the president said about his two daughters, Sasha and Malia, or Malika, or something of that nature, if they make a mistake, he doesn't want them to be punished. With a baby. And his vote. His vote. In the Senate. For. Late term abortion. And folks when I say late term abortion. I mean. Right up until the time. Where the. Where it's time. You know. Contractions. Uh, I don't really want to have this baby now. I changed my mind. I got other things I need to be doing. You know, it's going to ruin my figure. 
you know, I don't I don't know if I'm going to be able to find a sitter. You know, I got I got to work, I got a job. I'm an actress. You know, where this is going to affect my love life. I can't have a baby right now. I don't want to The president said that I shouldn't have to be punished with a baby. And he's right. Why should I have to be punished with another Tim Tebow? Why should I have to be punished with a baby? And boom. We have another Mamie on our hands. My good friend. I wonder sometimes. Do you? Do you have friends like that? Do you have anybody that you know? Who's gone through this thing where they've decided that they simply didn't have the time? Think about that. You've been listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones, Ph.D. I want to thank everyone for listening tonight. All my good friends are in the house. Beach Bum, Alexander Solo, 2020 Radio, John Gall, Tesla, Karen, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Binary Prince, Swing Easy, Republican Marines, Pendleton Marines, everybody. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. We're out. When you walk through the garden, you gotta watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow track. If you walk with Jesus, it's gonna save your soul. You gotta keep the devil way down in the hole. He's got the fire and the fury at his command. Well, you don't have to worry. Hold on to Jesus' hand We'll all be safe from Satan When the thunder rolls We just gotta keep the devil Way down in the hole